Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they washed their hands, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they did not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is God's word. you to pray with me. Oh God, help us to see our sins for what they are. Uh, Reveal them to us. Help us to see the places, the areas that we're finding our identity in anything but Christ. And do this, Lord, not so that we would um, run away in fear of you or try to hide from you or try to cover ourselves up with fig leaves, but that we might turn and repent and turn to trust more and more in the only one who can deliver us from our sins, the one who has crucified them and nailed them to a cross, the one who's forgiven us. Help us to behold him today and believe in him. Amen. So the truth that I want you to get today is this. Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. Jesus cleanses us from our sin. And um, sin affects us two ways practically. We can feel guilt 
and we can feel shame. Now, shame says that I did something wrong. Shame says something is wrong with me. Hear the difference? So when we feel guilt, we feel bad about something we did or did not do. And when we feel shame, we feel bad about who we are in the core. And so sin affects everybody. And we all try to wash ourselves in different ways. We all do it. Right? And we'll, we'll explore some of the ways. But we try to make ourselves clean by, by doing good things or acting good or being good or trying to please our parents or trying to appease our bosses or trying to please our spouses or in other relationships through showcasing our bodies or by having sex. And we all, right, no matter where we're coming from on the spectrum of wherever we're at, we all need to be made spiritually and morally clean. That's what we need. And so today, Jesus tells us how. So the two points this morning will be uncovering an ugly truth and owning up to the truth. So let's uncover the ugly truth here. Here's what happened. Chapter 7, verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who'd come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Okay, so this goes like well, way beyond washing your hands for dinner, okay? This is not personal hygiene issue. This is something bigger than that. Um, it's, it's all about being ritually clean and cleansed. And so according to the cleanliness laws of the Old Testament, if you touched something with your hands, right, and it wasn't considered clean, what did that make you? Unclean. And if you touched something that was clean, what did that make you? Well, you must be clean, right? So, um, but if you touched something that was dead or, or was infected or had any kind of, uh, if you had any kind of bodily discharge or if you ate food that was unclean, right, you could be considered ritually unclean. And this meant you couldn't worship God in the community. And that was a big problem for these people. And Mark tells us that the Pharisees and the scribes, right, they, they went above and beyond even... Um, what was required in the cleanliness laws, and, and they went above and beyond from the tradition of the elders, right? And so they, they would wash their cups, and they'd wash their couches, their dining couches, and, and uh, copper vessels and such, right? Because, and, and I mean, we have to give it to them, right? They, they didn't just want to worship God on Sundays, or Saturdays in this case, but they wanted to worship Him in the home too. So there's a sincere desire in some way there, at least on the outside. With these food laws, there were certain foods that if you ate them, they were considered clean. And there were other foods that were considered unclean. Jesus will later say in this passage, all foods are clean. Like you can eat anything. Nothing's off the, the table. Um, but these food laws, these uncleanliness laws, right, they, they reveal, they tell us something that's true. They tell us that we need to be made clean before a holy God. 
That's what they signal to us. That's what they teach us. And before any of us poke fun at the cleanliness laws, all right, as being archaic or ancient or just like way out of date, right, something that happened long, long ago, um, like who does this anymore, I want to consider something. Um, if you're going to go out on a date or if you're going to have an important interview, what do you do? You clean up. Yeah, you better clean up, right? You get on your nice outfit, you, especially for a date, right? You're putting the perfume on or the cologne on. You better do that if you're going to go out on a date. Or if, you're, you know, if, if you've got that interview that you've got to prepare for, you're going to put on the suit or the nice uh, business dress or you know, whatever, business attire. I don't know what, whatever the ladies wear, you know, that, all that. Um, but you definitely will brush your teeth, right? You'll make yourself really, really clean. Because if you don't, what's wrong with that, right? Well, if you show up to a date and you're not smelling right, the date's going to go south, right? I mean, it's, it's unattractive. It's unappealing. It's maybe even offensive. You're kind of offended at the fact that, oh, this person smells, like, and their hair is unkept, and I don't want to be with this person. No, no future, right? Same thing with an interview, right? It, it signals to your future employer Okay, this guy or this girl, they don't really care about coming um, to this job. And so the idea of needing to eat foods or be clean before a holy God is like that. It's, It's the same as that. God is holy and it's offensive for him to be in the presence of sin. And so the cleanliness laws, they tell us that, that, that we are unclean, we're unfit to be in the presence of a holy God. Does that idea offend anybody? Is that offensive to anyone? Uh, Maybe you're in the camp that, you know, uh, says that no one knows what's right and wrong and nobody knows uh, about God, and so we each have to decide for ourselves what's right and wrong. And uh, people aren't inherently offensive. People are inherently good. Maybe you're in that camp. And if all of that were really true and we're basically good and there's no right and wrong, I want to ask you something. Why is it that we all have this deep sense that we just can't shake, as hard as we try, that, that we have to hide our true self, that we have to at least filter, right, what it is that people see from the inside to the outside, and we kind of put this mask over? Why do we do that? For example, why do we try so hard to look so good in front of our neighbors, right? Maybe it's our house or our apartment or, you know, we want it to look really, really good, right? When somebody comes over, we're making sure that, you know, everything's cleaned up. We had a party of eight last night, right? How many people cleaned up a little bit around the house before people came over, right? Trying to impress a little bit. Our car is clean on the outside, you know? Um, We post up the perfect pictures on Instagram and Facebook, you know? Uh, the, the Christmas cards that, that we get from each other, right? They're the, the, they're, the, they're the ones that everybody goes, oh, that's such a cute family, you know? It's like perfect. And three seconds before that, it was chaos, right? I mean, that was our, our Christmas picture. We debated, Gene and I debated sending out one where we were just like, ah, like, you know, as the demons were coming out. And, um, and we decided not to because we're like, no, oh, people would not understand that. Like, that's, that's not the thing you do, you know? But we strive, right? We strive so hard to be successful and, and to have this, this appearance of having made it. 
right? We want people, we project that. And we all get caught up in this, right? We're putting our best foot forward. We are, um, we're doing that. You, I, as your pastor, I'm putting my best foot forward every week. I, I, I want to have good sermons. I don't want to have bad sermons, right? I want people to come to Redemption Church. I want you to invite your friends. Like, of course. So you see, uh, we, we all do this, and, and because we feel that um, we aren't acceptable, that we have to prove to everybody else that we are worthy and that we're lovable. And we do that ultimately because there's a standard of right and wrong. That's why we're all caught up in that, because there is a standard. And, and deep down we know it's because we have this sense right inside that we, we're not clean. We're not clean. We feel dirty. As much as we try, as much as we are striving to have the external appearance of doing good or being good on the outside, we all know that at the end of the day, we, we still struggle with feelings of guilt and feelings of shame. We're going, well, I know that the outside is clean. I know that um, you know, the outside of my car looks pristine, but the inside, yeah, I got those wrappers. I got, you know, some uh, stuff from Burger King or whatever underneath the car. Like, you know, the kids made a big mess, and it, it's just a big mess in there, right? Right before the family picture, the screaming, you know, the, the, the chaos. So even when we, 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 we try to put our best foot forward, right, it doesn't extend far enough, right? We just can't reach. We can't quite stretch far enough. Um, anyone feel me with that? Couple people? All right. Couple sinners in this room. That's good to know. Just a few. Well, the Bible says that the reason for all of this is because we're spiritually, we are unclean. And none of us are clean. And do you know what we do? We, we, we all try to clean ourselves. We try to wash ourselves externally, like these Pharisees, like, like these scribes. We are trying in different ways to wash ourselves. We try to make ourselves look good. We try doing different religious things or good things, right? Pray more, read my Bible more, do more service projects, memorize the catechism, um, serve other people more, volunteer more, do more, right? Do, do, do. And Jesus says this, this outward approach doesn't work. The way of approaching God doesn't work. He says it's not from the outside, but it's from the inside that come what? Evil thoughts, evil words, evil deeds. And so I want to think about that now. I want us to think about owning up to this truth. Owning up to it. The truth is this. From the outside, we are un... Uh, sorry, from the inside, we are unclean. From the inside. So look at verse 17 with me. And when he'd entered the house and left the people, his disciples, and asked him about the parable... And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And so, I mean, here Jesus is saying nothing that comes in from the outside can really defile us, make us unclean. We have a bigger problem, and he's going to get to that. So he exposes, verse 20, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, 
envy, slander, pride, foolishness. I mean, did he miss anything? All of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. I mean, as we're reflecting on that, like, why is it that some marriages don't work out? Why is it that good friendships break up? Why is it that there are so many wrong things in the world that we live in? Jesus is telling us here, he's saying, we are what's wrong with the world. We are the problem. The the self-centeredness of the human heart causes all kinds of chaos and brokenness and fracture and discord in the world. Christianity says that it's our sin that has separated us from God, and it's our sin that that separates us continually from one another. Our heart is what makes us most unclean. And and the problem with the the Pharisees and every other religion and every self-help book and every other kind of external solution to this problem, to dealing with it, is that outside-in will never work. Jesus says what, what causes our problems uh, works from the inside out. Um, I want to give a couple examples here. Um, so in the town where I grew up, uh, um, Christian parents would send their kids to the Christian private school. And actually, I went to a... a um, and, and they would do that to get their kids away from worldliness, at least here. I don't know if that's the same everywhere. I'm not saying that's always the case, right? But just this was the specific case. So people did that to get their kids away from worldliness. And the irony to that approach was this, that even though you know, I went to public school, the friends that I had in, in the private school, my goodness, right? There were some serious things going on. There were some drug deals under the table. There was pornography, there was sex, there was all that stuff, right? And you're going, at a Christian private school, and, and what kind of what made it all worse was that there was this, um, um, there were the, the, the double lives, right? Externally, they were the good kids. Externally, they had the Christian parents. And the lie is this, that if I stay away from bad people and dirty movies and ungodly activities, if I try really hard to be good, then God is going to view me as worthy and I'll be a good Christian. That was the lie there. In the same way, the, the, the Pharisees of our text, the, the scribes, uh, they try to do this through religion too. Follow these rules and you'll be right before God. So if you wash your hands and, and the cups you know, before dinner and you scrub the couch, right, you're not going to be defiled. You'll be clean. And the problem with this is, as Jesus exposes in, in verses 9 to 13, they, they had additional rules, like the, you know, the, these extra washing ceremonies, that ended up disobeying God. And, and Jesus points to an example. Uh, in verse 9, he says, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. And so he brings up this example that they had... Um, this rule that allowed for a son or you know, a, a child not to pr- provide for their parents. Um, they could gift um, property to the temple, and that was called Corban. Um, and, and so if they, they gifted it to the temple, they wouldn't have to provide for their parents. And doing that revoked the need for the children, child to, pr- to provide for his parents, which what commandment does that violate? 
the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, right? So it's like you, there's a contradiction there. You're breaking a commandment. And so the problem of religion is that we can never do enough through religion to be good enough. We can tirelessly obey a list of rules and we'll never do enough to get right before God. Even though we're avoiding the, the bad movies and, and we're praying more and we're trying our best to behave, our heart doesn't change. Inside doesn't change. And so we don't have inner joy and peace and love that springs forth. Instead, right, we feel more anxious, more angry, more bitter. We start comparing ourselves with others, like, I'm doing it better than you're doing it. Um, and we're afraid, right? We're afraid that people are going to find out our secret, that we're not good enough. Like, that's the secret that we like, try to keep inside, right? I don't want people to know that I'm actually not, not good. And religion doesn't get rid of this problem because religion's always about me. It's self-absorbed. Even when we're serving our neighbor, right, we're like, we're tallying up, we're adding up the, the Christian points that we can earn, right, to each service project we do, each activity we're doing, it's, it's adding up to this list that hopefully at the end of the day we'll be able to cash out and we'll be acceptable, we'll be good. It's outside in, and Jesus says that doesn't work. Another way that people try to solve this problem is through pop culture, um, popular culture says to us every day on TV and social media and in the tabloids when you're checking out at the grocery store, be pretty, right? Have uh, perfect skin, get a new look, wear expensive clothes, lose weight, get tan, right? All those, like, all these extras. And in trying to look like and act like our favorite star, we never deal with the root of our problem. We still fall into a kind of religion of always needing to prove to ourselves, prove ourselves. And so we hide behind them, and, and really, right, they're just normal people, right? When the airbrushing and the makeup comes off, they're just normal people with the same exact problems that we have, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. And so again, outside in doesn't work. And I'm not picking on easy examples here. Um, I'm going to make sure you know, I'm not picking on easy examples. People everywhere are trying to prove ourselves. Everywhere. So even a, a Christian in Christian ministry can be doing the same thing, right? It doesn't have to be pop culture. It doesn't have to be other religions. It can be Christianity. It's possible that a devout Christian in ministry can have the same approach as religious people and pop culture. Nobody's immune. I'll be vulnerable with you for a second. Um, I can so easily wrap up my own identity with how well our church is doing. I'm sure Bob can relate to that in the past. Not at all. Yeah, no, he's, he was good. <laughs> Gotta, we're going to meet up this week, and you can tell me the, the pro tips. Right? I can... So when our church is, is, is growing and things are happening and I'm, I feel really good about myself, I can, right? I can, my identity can be so tied up with that. And conversely, right, if things are not going as smoothly or if, if we're not like growing or if whatever it is, whatever barometer of health we try to fixate on, 
I can wrap my identity into that. And then I start feeling really bad, right? Like, if people like me, then God must like me. If, if people come to our church and flock here, then, man, God's proud. God's happy. Um, and guess what? Feeling this way is outside in, right? It's not inside out. So we're all trying to make ourselves clean. We do it in, in different ways, but we all take this outside-in approach naturally, and Jesus says, guys, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And so what do we do if, if we know that we're not clean? How do we make ourselves clean? How do we do it? Well, we need for Jesus to clean us from the inside out. You probably noticed at the beginning of the passage, Jesus quoted from Isaiah chapter 29, and he mentions, the, he mentions the heart. I'll read that uh, quote right now. First he says, verse 6, And he said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written. I mean, he just goes for the right there. Um, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. At their heart. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. The heart here is not talking about our emotions, right? In, in our use of heart, we usually think of, like, oh, it's heartfelt. You know, we're thinking of emotional state. Um, it's also not thinking of our heart located right here. Is this right? Is this the right spot? Yeah. Um, got all the doctors in the room just telling me that's the right spot. <laughs> Perfect. If I ever need to, like... Whatever. Okay. Um, not the physical heart. But for the Jews, the heart was the, the center of the whole person, right? It was, it was what made you really you. The heart is you. It's, it's what makes you who you are. And, and, and the core of who we are, right, at our heart, according to Jesus is that the heart has evil thoughts and evil actions and words that spring forth out of it. And so we need a new one. <laughs> we need a heart transplant. We need this one to be replaced with a new one. Jesus didn't come into this world to give us more rules. It's not what he came here to do. I was watching a new TV show um, on Amazon Prime. It's called Good Omens. I don't know if anyone else has seen it. At least a couple of people have. And um, it's, it's basically an, an angel and a demon team up to prevent the end of the world from happening. Like they, they want to prevent Armageddon um, end times from happening. It's really interesting. But um, there's this scene where the angel, uh, he is, is there um, in the first century when Jesus is hanging on, a, on the cross. And uh, one of the soldiers or somebody asks him, Why, what's he doing there? Like, what did he do that got him there? And the angel tells the guy, he said, love one another. Man, I was kicking and screaming watching that. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not why Jesus is hanging on the cross, because he said, you know, do good unto each other. That's not the, that's not the gospel, right? You're missing it, man. I mean, of course, it's Amazon, so I don't, can't blame him, right? That's why we need the church, <laughs> like, but the gospel is not that we need 
to love each other, that's law, right? We don't need more, more rules added on on top of, 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 this, of this to-do list and checklist of proving ourselves, right? The gospel is that Jesus loved the unlovable so that we would made, be made clean. Um, the gospel is that the one who was accepted, right, lived and died for the unacceptable ones so that we would be made acceptable before God. So we would be made right. Jesus took our guilt upon himself, right? That guilt that says to you every single day, right? I did something wrong. It hangs over your head. It feels so heavy. It pushes you down. And he became the one who did everything wrong so that you could do everything right. You'd be counted as the one who did everything right. And Jesus, he took our shame upon himself, that shame that says to us every day, Something's wrong with me. And he covered our shame. He clothed our shame with his clean robes of righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the gospel that Jesus hung on the cross for and died for. Not do good good to each other. You can get that from any world religion. Do good to each other. But Jesus did good for us. And because of him, nothing is wrong with you anymore. You're guiltless and you're shameless and you're forgiven. And by faith, he gives you a new heart. And so Jesus is the only way to deal with the problem of our our evil hearts. So I want to encourage you to stop doing, 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 if that's what you're caught up in right now, right? And start believing, believing, believing. Right? Change the, 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 the rhetoric. Change the, the thought process. Change the action even um, to getting that first. Trying from the outside in won't work. Jesus will. He can make you clean. In Christ, you're washed. You're washed clean. I mean, do you believe that this morning? You're washed by him? We need his cleansing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for exposing all of the approaches that we take that are outside in of trying to change our reckless, sinful hearts. And thank you for giving us the inside-out approach in Jesus. That this gospel that's so foreign to us that comes from outside of us enters into our hearts, replaces the heart of stone with a heart of flesh gives us new life. Father, we pray for that new life in in anyone here who doesn't have it yet. Give it to them now. Give it to us. Help us, Lord, to, to see who you are as this God who recklessly and radically gives of himself to seek and save that which was lost. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace, your great love for us. If anyone has feelings of guilt and shame, 
please let those feelings of guilt and shame, that experience of guilt and shame that hangs over completely leave them as Jesus washes them, washes us of our sin. Amen.